0: just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com forward slash fm 24 You'll save a dollar on your next domain.
1: As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore. AI safety and security it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit hackerone.com slash AI safety security. Again, hackerone.com slash AI safety security. This
0: episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort based trainings. join us, go to gigantic.is, that's gigantic.is, and save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. This episode of Rocketship is a pre-season five interview. Now, season five will be dropping July 10th. So mark that on your calendar, get your podcast player ready. Uh, but this interview we conducted with Teresa Torres, a product coach, frequent speaker, writer, and just general influencer in the world of product management.
1: Yeah. And I have to admit, I
0: was pretty excited for this interview. I'd imagine so. I mean, she's she's pretty legit. Definitely somebody that we as product people could learn a ton from.
1: For sure. But that's not actually the only reason I was excited. Oh, yeah. Why else were you excited? Well, I will tell you, but first, cue the intro. <laughs>
0: okay, Mike, let's cue the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth.
1: Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. All right, now that...
0: That's over. Why would you be so excited for this interview with Teresa Torres?
1: Okay, well, you remember me telling you in the past about my very first true product role, right? Yeah, well, that was
0: right after eFuneral. You took, was it director of product strategy role with the sports entertainment ticketing company, right? That's right.
1: And if you remember, I accepted that role, but I didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing at first.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, secretly, many of us feel the same, right? But I I do remember you talking about that and, and you were trying to get smarter by
1: reading books, by listening to podcasts, finding blogs. Exactly. Well, Teresa Torres, her blog, Product Talk, that was actually one of the very first product blogs I ever subscribed to. Oh, right. So Teresa, in a way, helped you figure out how to become a product person way back then. That's right. Well, I mean... I sort of always still feel like I'm still figuring that out. But, but yes, that is, it's true. And I had a great chat with Teresa. We talked about continuous discovery and that's something that she speaks and writes about pretty often and is a big advocate of. Continuous discovery. Okay, I've, I've heard of that, but what is continuous discovery? Well, let me cut to a part of our conversation and I'll actually let you hear about it in Teresa's own words.
2: There's two key parts to this concept of continuous discovery. I think the first part is, what do we mean by discovery? And, I, and for that, I really wanna see product teams be really deliberate and intentional about how they're deciding what to build. Um, and presumably that includes customer input, experimentation, probably some rapid prototyping, and really making sure that as they make decisions about what to build, it's human-centered, it's iterative, it's experimental, Um, It involves kind of continuous learning. And then I think the second piece of this is this concept of continuous, which I think is the part uh, that catches a lot of people by surprise. So I think we are at a point where a lot of teams have had experience with usability testing. They're talking to their customers, um, but they're doing it from a project mindset. So they do it at the start of a project. Um, They do it when they think they need it. They're not doing it every week. And so this idea of continuous discovery is how do we if, we, if as product teams, we make decisions every single day, how do we make sure that every week we're um, getting feedback on those decisions from our customers? And so that's the big piece of the continuous discovery is it's something that we need to integrate into our week over week activities. I think we're all familiar with continuous deployment and continuous integration on the delivery side at this point. Um, And really continuous discovery is just that same exact concept applied to how we decide what to build. But I think that even that idea is still fairly new to a lot of people. And then the teams that I'm working with, it's usually their head of product. So their boss has said, I want my teams working this way. So they're familiar with the concept and they are trying to move their organization in that direction. So they've at least heard of it, but it doesn't mean they know what it means. And a lot of the teams that I work with Um, Some of them come in really excited. They know about it. They've read all the latest blogs and been to the biggest conferences hearing about it. And they're anxious to learn. Um, But sometimes I work with teams where they kind of have a chip on their shoulder about it and that their view is, I've been doing product management for five years or 10 years or 20 years. And who are you to tell me how to do my job differently? Um, And in those situations, I try to just take a step back and say, look, this isn't about I'm going to tell you how to do product management. It's really about..." As an industry, we're shifting in this direction. Here's an opportunity for you to learn some new tools and techniques.
0: Ah, so continuous discoveries about being in front of your customers, getting feedback from your customers so that they actually influence what you're building as a product person all the time. Yes, that's a pretty good way to sum it up. But this seems like a best practice for product teams. Like, don't a lot of teams already
1: do this or...? They at least strive to do it. Well, I asked Teresa about that, and it may be true in theory, but it's actually not really the case most of the time. So Teresa talks about how continuous discovery, it's a relatively new concept. And so it might seem like something that's already in practice, but it's actually not being practiced properly.
2: Oftentimes when we hear new ideas, our inclination is to look for how it's similar to what we already do. It's sort of how we're connecting with the idea. And I think that's great. But there's some risk here. So, because a lot of teams already use usability test and they already talk to their customers, I think there's an easy reaction to say, I already do this. And I think very few teams already do this. So, the first thing is I would encourage people to do is as they're reading about the con- continuous discovery, to really ask disconfirming questions. So, what's the part of this that we don't already do? Or what's the part that we can get better at? Uh, and so that they, you can start to really pick apart some of these nuances that are different. Um, and then the second part is, so if I'm, if, I, if I'm working at a company and I'm on a product team and I just wanna know how do I get better at this, there's a lot of things that I can do on my own that's within my control. So for example, uh, three of the activities that I look for from the teams that I coach is, how often are they interviewing customers? How often are they um, prototyping and testing, getting feedback on those prototypes from their customers? And then how often are they running product experiments? And all three of those activities, I think, are um good indicators that you're um, if done if done well are good indicators that you're on the right track. Now, the catch is if done well. So I've met a lot of teams that interview their customers every week or every couple of weeks, but they don't ever change what they what they're deciding to build. So they're not really getting value out of that interview. Um, So one of the things I tell teams to think about is in three, all three of those activities, if you're not being surprised on a regular basis, you're probably not doing those activities. Well, you're probably falling prey to confirmation bias. Um, And you're probably uh, just hearing what you want to hear, in which case those activities are kind of a waste of time. Um So part of this is kind of having that intellectual honesty to just take a step back and say, okay, what, um, what are we learning? Are things surprising us? If they're not, Maybe we need to step back and question how we're doing those activities.
0: So as product people, if we wanted to give something like this a shot, where would we begin? I I imagine we just don't go off and start talking to customers.
1: Well, no. I mean, sure. Eventually, it is likely that you will go off and talk to customers. But first, you probably want to become as familiar as you can be with the concept of customer discovery itself. And to do that, Teresa actually has some
2: advice. We are at a point where we have a lot of good thinkers in this space that write a lot about this. They write about it, they publish a lot of videos about it. Um, we're getting to a point where, while this is still kind of a leading edge topic, it's very—it's becoming a very popular topic and so we're getting better resources on how to do it. So the first thing I would do is I would make sure that you um, know who uh, Jeff Gothelf and Josh Seiden are, the authors of Lean UX and Sense and Respond. I would follow Barry O'Reilly. Uh, one of the authors of Lean Enterprise. Um, I obviously blog about this a lot at Product Talk. Um, Jeff Patton writes about this a lot on his website, which I believe is Jeff Patton Associates. Um, And then then you'll notice, if you look at the last year or two of most big conferences, a lot of the talks are shifting to be about discovery. Um, We're seeing a lot more case studies. We're seeing a lot more um, sort of best practices being shared. We see that with Jake Knapp's book, uh, Sprints, or the Design Sprint book. Um, I am starting to uh, offer online courses. So I'll throw this out as a shameless plug. Um, I have a free online course called Getting Started with Continuous Discovery. So if you're just looking for what are these concepts and how do I wrap my head around what this means, it's a really good place to start. Um, And that's at learn.producttalk.org. And then I'm also rolling out very skills, skill-based courses. So I have a course on interviewing. I have a course on rapid prototyping, and they're really designed to help teams get hands-on practice. Um, and one of the things that I did with those courses is coaching is a very, um, it requires an investment by your leader, right? So an individual product manager isn't going to make the decision to get coaching. It's just not going to be in their budget. So their head of product kind of has to be involved and say, yes, we're going to invest in this.
0: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now,
1: back to the show. So again, lots of places that somebody could go to to get a bit smarter on the topic.
0: That's great. I'm sure we'll see more and more resources come to surface too. But when we're putting it to practice, I know it's it's not just about going out and getting in front of our customers.
1: It is a big part of it, actually. I mean, you're not that far off, really.
0: But how much is enough? How often should we talk to our customers in order to really be
1: continuous discovery? Well, Teresa has a point of view on that.
2: I really think that that a product team should be talking to their customer on as many days as possible. And I often use the rule of thumb is they should be engaging with their customer at least once a week. But I will not lie, the best teams do it more frequently than that. And this terrifies people because a lot of teams don't talk to their customers every week and they can't even fathom how they're gonna do that. But the reality is we make product decisions every single day and the longer time we go between engaging with our customers, the more decisions we make without any of their feedback. To me, that's too big of a risk. So I think a couple of years ago, I was at Target um, giving a talk and I I was on a panel I said something like, if I worked at Target, I would talk to a customer every single day because I can go to Target every single day and talk to someone on the, floor, on the store floor. Um, it doesn't mean I'm doing a formal one hour interview every day, but whatever I'm working on today that I want feedback on, I would go talk to one or two people and get five minutes of feedback because that customer is extremely accessible. For an enter- enterprise company, Maybe they, it's a little bit harder and talking to a customer every day isn't feasible. I have never seen a team where talking to a customer every week wasn't feasible. It sometimes takes a lot of work to get there. But every team that I have ever worked with, even my enterprise clients, they find a way. If the team is motivated to participate in coaching, they find a way to interview their customers every week. And I did this as a startup CEO. So I was on the product team. I had even more jobs than just deciding what to build for my product. Our product was in a marketplace, so we had two sides of the market, two different customers, and I talked to both types of customers every single day. So I don't buy the argument that it's not possible.
0: Okay, so we're in front of our customers really constantly for continuous discovery. But but I I also remember the old adage of Henry Ford, right? If I asked my customers what they actually wanted. They would just tell me they wanted a faster horse. Ah, yes. Well, you know that quote isn't actually true, right? Well, yeah. No, I I knew that.
1: (laughs) No, but... It's still relevant though, right? (laughs) No, it's it's totally relevant. And, And even if Ford did actually say that, he would be right. But continuous discovery, it's not just about asking customers what they want. And it's not even really about getting validation from customers once a solution is complete really, we should be in front of customers as early as possible, even when we don't have solutions to their problems quite yet. Teresa talks about this here when she mentions co-creating with customers.
2: I make a distinction between co-creating with customers versus validating with customers. So I think our dominant model of discovery right now is validation. We see this with A-B testing. I'm going to build a feature, release it, and then I'm going to validate if I got it right with A-B testing. We also see it with prototype testing. I'm gonna design the whole solution, put it in front of customers, usually a week before I need that work to go into the next sprint, and validate that I got it right. And the problem with this is what if we didn't get it right? Like in the A-B test, we just spent a lot of time and energy building the wrong thing. In the prototyping test, We just put a lot of design energy into designing way too much way too late in the process we can't really integrate feedback well um so i try to encourage teams to have a co-creation mindset Um, how do we interact with our customers and get feedback even when we're not ready so a validation mindset is i'm done i think i got it right let's go get feedback a co-creation mindset is I'm in the messy middle. I have five or six design options. I have no idea which one is right. Let me invite the customer in to be part of my design process.
0: Okay. So I can buy into this concept, but what if we're product people at organizations and these organizations already have a philosophy on product?
1: I see where you're going with this. (laughs) Yeah. So what if our boss doesn't buy into this? Yes. Well, Teresa did talk about how important it was for there to be buy-in from the organization. In fact, she mentions how she actually doesn't even take coaching work unless she feels like there's proper buy-in throughout the product organization. It's not just enough to have somebody be willing to write her a check. So getting buy-in can be hard, right? What does she suggest? Well, there are some things that a product person can do.
2: If I'm an individual product manager, maybe my VP is not there yet. I haven't drank the Kool-Aid. My director is interested or not there yet, I think what I would do is I would do a couple of things. The very first thing that I would do is I would make sure my product was well-instrumented. And I would start measuring every single product change that you make, did it have that impact you expected? And so this takes two parts. One is when you're defining a feature or a solution that you're building, take the time to write down, this is the impact we expect it to have. And then after it releases and you're able to collect data, compare, what actually happened to what you thought would happen. And what this does is it starts to help the organization see that you're wrong more often than you're right. And that's gonna feel uncomfortable, it's gonna feel like you're failing, but what it's gonna do is it's gonna start to make the case for why we need to get better at how we decide what to build. Um, and I think that's the most effective way to get your leadership on board if they're not already. And then I think once that happens, then I think you could start, even if they have completely drank the Kool-Aid, You can start small, interview a customer for 30 minutes a week. Most people can fit that in their schedule um, and start to connect the dots between how, hey, the more of this kind of discovery stuff we do that nobody is championing, uh, the more often we build the right thing.
0: This definitely was an interesting chat you had with Teresa and
1: I, I can get behind continuous discovery. Yeah, it. but it's something I definitely want to dig into more. Um. In fact, towards the end of our conversation, I asked her if anybody gave her any negative feedback on the concept. And? Well, the most common was just that some people may say, okay, well, this is nice and all, but I don't have time to be in front of our customers all the time. This might work for people that have all the time in the world, but we've got so much going on. We're incredibly busy. Hey, aren't we all though? Indeed. And actually, that was sort of her point. Here's how she answers that criticism.
2: There's a million reasons why you can't work this way. But the reality is, the best teams do work this way. So I think when you're facing all those reasons for why you can't work this way, ask yourself how much you want to be one of those best teams. And if the answer is you really do want to be one of those best teams, then you got to start chipping away at those obstacles. And if some people can do it, you can absolutely do it. And I just, I, I get so frustrated when I write, when I blog or I speak at a conference or I teach a workshop and all I get are questions about why their unique situation is different and they can't possibly do it. And I think that's the wrong frame of mind to have. We need to start looking at, this is the future of our industry. This is how products are being built today. It's how the best products are going to continue to be built in the future. How do we get there?
0: Awesome interview. And and as you mentioned earlier, Teresa has a great blog. Ah, yes. Her
1: blog is Product Talk, which is just producttalk.org. And she's got a ton of great content there. She's got a free online course. There are some paid ones too. Um, And she also shares some information about some upcoming workshops. She'll be with us at our conference industry in October, putting on one of those workshops the day before the conference gets started too. That is great. It sounds definitely worth checking out. For sure. And hey, I know that I am going to be experimenting a lot more with what I learned from her.
0: Well, hey, if you do report back to us, share what you learn. Oh, you will be hearing all about it, I'm sure. Thank you for tuning into Rocketship.fm. If you're listening right now... Go forward in the feed a little bit. We just launched the first episode of season five where we follow three amazing entrepreneurs and product people. We go behind the scenes and listen to real conversations that real product teams are having. It's absolutely incredible. Stay tuned. I'm going to play the trailer and if you want to just skip the trailer, just go over to season five, episode one titled Introducing. I was sitting on the beach, staring, staring out at the ocean with my laptop. And all I was thinking about was I really wish there would be some clouds so I could work. And it was like the most perfect place to be. And all I wanted was clouds so I could work. And that's when I realized that I was far more burnt out than i thought on season five of rocket Chip, we're exploring the lives of three product people with products and companies at different stages but who are all working to make the
1: world a better place through technology we introduce you to gunto the vp of growth and marketing at off zero who takes us behind the scenes joining their team on their yearly off site to see what it's like when 350 people converge on a small town in panama I would like to change my answer. Uh, you asked me how long I was going to be at Auth0. I said four back then. I'd like four to years. update. Yeah, four years. And I think I'd want to update it to forever.
0: We travel with CEO, Krish. He expands his company, Chargebee, across the Pacific Ocean from their humble beginnings in Chennai to opening international offices in San Francisco and Europe. In
2: between, in the apartment, I said, okay, so this side is your home, this side is the office, and then we put some four tables, got our laptops.
1: And we were all set because pretty much everything else was in the cloud. And finally, we follow Lee Tangum on his early morning code sprints as he brings a new product for small businesses to life in under 30 days. Success
0: over these next 30 days is going to be measured by whether or not we can find that perfect market that truly needs this product that we're building. Season 5 of Rocketship.fm coming to you on July 10th on the Podglomerate Network. Subscribe today.